Hey, thanks for joining us. You're listening to Living Fountains with Pastor Jim Stewart of Calvary Chapel, Kansas City. Today, our study is in the book of 2 Corinthians. If you're in a place where you can grab your Bible and follow along with us, we invite you to do so. And if you'd like more information on Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, you can visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. Now, let's join Pastor Jim for today's study. Well, let's open our Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We had wrapped up in chapter 3 uh, talking about the new covenant, that covenant that is the ministry of the Spirit, that is how God moves and works in our lives uh, this day in which we live and, and has for the last couple thousand years because of the finished work of the cross, what Jesus has done for us, and that through the law, many we're, we're all condemned through the law. But then the Spirit was given and life was given through the Spirit. And so that idea of being able to look at the Lord face to face and uh, kind of wrapped up in verse uh, 18 or 17 uh, of chapter 3. Now the Lord is the Spirit and the Spirit of the Lord is where the Spirit of the Lord is there is liberty. But we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed. Man, powerful word transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So the Lord's doing that work in our lives as we look upon him. We talked about that in the Old Testament with Moses, it would fade, that glory would fade. But now as we look upon the Lord, we, we can see the Lord for who he is, and that that glory, the work of the Spirit, isn't something that fades from our lives. It's something that's there in our lives, active and alive, and something that's there. It doesn't fade away. It's, it's that perfect work of what Jesus did for us on the cross. Therefore, so we know what it's there for. It's what we just spoke about. It says, therefore, since we have this ministry, what ministry? This ministry. What ministry is this ministry? The ministry of the Spirit that spirit of life giving the finished work of the cross, that we have that ministry of the Spirit. As we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness or handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bondservants, for Jesus' sake. Paul, and then just kind of reinforcing this message of the gospel itself, the good news of Jesus Christ. He says, this gospel is veiled. It's only veiled to those who are perishing. In other words, you and I, as believers in Jesus Christ, we see the Lord and the work that he's done for us on the cross. We're accepting of that purpose and plan that God has. This first little portion really speaks of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. We have hope because of what he's done for us. 
But it also is talking about not just the hope. He says, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. We don't want to lose heart in what God's wanting to do. You see, I think a lot of times we, as followers of Jesus Christ here in the United States, as we look around our world today, let's just zone in on our metropolitan area, the area in which we live, the Kansas City area. We don't have to leave this general area. We can just stay right here because we have a a melting pot of all kinds of culture, all kinds of things that happen right here in the center of the United States. We see so much of what's going on. It just kind of comes in and filters into our world in which we live. I think because of MTV and so many other things like that cable, the way it is, satellite things, we, we watch things happening on the other side of the world from right here in the center of the United States in real time. You know, But we don't want to lose heart because we look at our world and we see what's happening around us. We look at our nation that was founded on Christian principles, that it is just consistently being eroded. I saw a, new, a news thing this morning about how they're trying to decide whether they're going to change some of the law regarding ministries and, and people working at ministries and, and all these different things. Just, it's constantly being eroded. But the thing is, is I think the enemy would have you and have me get to the place where we lose heart and become lethargic and apathetic and just just kind of sit back and just throw up our hands and just say, oh well, it's just the way it is. The world's going to a hell in a handbasket. Thank God I'm saved. Do you believe that Jesus Christ made himself known to you for that? It's awesome to know we're saved. We should be the most joyous, excited people on the face of the earth, for sure. We got something to be excited about and happy about and joyous about in that sense. We have everlasting life, not because we deserve it, but because God revealed himself to us. This is what's interesting. The veil came off. At some point, for those of you who know Jesus Christ today, at some point, the veil came off and you saw God for who he is. Something happened. One, we want to talk a little bit how that happened because that makes a difference in how that affects our life today. How did that happen to you? That's one thing we want to talk about. But we want to keep our eyes also on the fact that we have hope. It can happen to other people around us. Other people can come to know Jesus Christ too. Your friends, your family, the people you even dislike at work and the people you like, the people you interact with, if you look just just for just a split second when you're talking to somebody at the grocery store, wherever you are, whatever you're doing in the marketplace of life, and just look at that person when you give them your little slip, or you maybe some of you use your phone, and they scan you in to board a plane. Just look at that person's eyes, that steward or stewardess that's checking you in. Just look in their eyes. Look in their eyes. Look at the person that's checking you out at the grocery store, checking you out, literally checking out your groceries, okay? Don't make eye contact with people that are checking you out. That's a bad idea, okay? But you know what I'm saying, right? Make eye contact with people. Look at them. Man, that is a person that without Jesus Christ will perish. It changes your heart for humanity. It changes just your interaction with them. When you look them in the eye and you say, wow, that's somebody that God loves just like God loves me. That's somebody that God wants to be their dad. Our father wants to be their father. God wants to interact with them. We have hope. 
Sometimes we look at it and the enemy would get us pushed back into this corner as Christians where, well, I don't know what we're going to do. Nobody's interested in God. I just don't know what we're going to do. So we just get cornered into this. I don't believe it. I think that's a lie from the pit. I think people are looking. I think people, they need, there's an emptiness designed in every human being. A God-sized hole in every heart. Every person that's born, there is that innate desire to ultimately seek out something to worship. It's a spiritual desire, and it's a God-sized hole that only God will fit. Everything else will draw up empty. There's hope. We have hope. We've received mercy, and we do not lose heart. There is hope. Now, when we're talking about this, he's saying in verse 2 that they live their lives in a, in, a, in a right way, handling the word of God, not deceitfully, not in craftiness, the way they live their lives, the way they walked, the way they interacted with people, but, but with the manifestation of truth. And they said, basically, our lives are open books. You can see that we have a heart for the Lord. We're not perfect, but our lives are open books. It's kind of what he's saying to every man's conscience in the sight of God. They're, they're open. You know, they're just saying, hey, you can see who we are and what we're about. You know, not perfect, but man, certainly we, we know God and his forgiveness and his grace. This is the thing. Why is it that the, some of the people that you talk with, some of the people I talk with, are you a bad sales rep? Well, one, you've, you're not repping anything. There's nothing for sale in the gospel. If you're approaching it as a sales rep, you've already sunk your ship because there's nothing for sale. So it's not that you're trying to make some deal with somebody so that they can receive Christ, so that they can have everlasting life, so that they can come to know Jesus. There's nothing for sale. So you're not pitching some good idea or some concept. There's a transaction in the realm of the Spirit, and you know it and I know it. There's a transaction that takes place, right, between you and God when you say, yes, I want to receive Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. There was a spiritual transaction that took place in the realm of the Spirit where you opened your heart and you said, God, I want you to come into my heart, and Jesus comes into your heart. I want to receive you into my life as my personal Lord and Savior. That was the beginning of the transaction that takes place in our hearts, right? We're, we're clear that. We know that that's what, but it happens in the realm of the Spirit. Certainly it happens to us in the realm of the Spirit that dwells within us. He moves in, he makes our heart his home. But there's no, you didn't sign some contract. This is a spiritual transaction in the realm of the Spirit that's binding, because it's got a seal marked on it that you belong to him. That seal, the mark of his spirit upon us as believers. What a radical truth to know that this is all what's happening. But how did that happen? Prior to you saying yes to God, how did that happen? What led to you saying yes to God? Sometimes it's a lot of circumstances that lead up to that. And then there's that right moment that someone brought the living word and said, hey, look, this is how it really goes and shows you through the Roman road. It says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We need a savior. God's designed us to have a savior. God's provided a savior for us. We can go down through this, this chain reaction of events that occur, but what got us even to that point? You see, I believe in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 kind of gives us some insight in how that started to happen. And it begins in verse 3 of chapter 10. It says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. 
For the weapons of our warfare are not fleshy or carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Do you, in the spiritual realm, do you believe that there are strongholds in the spirit realm around us? Do you believe there are strongholds in our area, demonic forces that create strongholds? I personally believe that wholeheartedly. I believe one of those strongholds in this particular part of the country and that sweeps the country and a good part of the world is religion itself or religiosity. A spirit that just kind of hovers there. And religion kind of gets people feeling like they're okay, but they don't know Jesus. So how can you be okay eternally without knowing Jesus? According to the Bible, you can't. But is that serious or, or is that just those just words that Pastor Jim says and I guess that's what he thinks. That's not my idea. That's what God says. That's what his word says. But the world is trying to push you and me into saying, oh yeah, that's okay. If that's working for you, that's, that's great. It's not okay with me because it doesn't work. Now that kind of ostracizes us in a sense. It kind of makes us look odd and kind of creates a bit of a, a, an issue sometimes. Well, that's not my issue. It's not my issue. That's someone's issue with God. That's not my issue. You see, we get so personalized about everything. It, you really, it's just look in the mirror and just let yourself know it's not all about you. Do yourself a huge favor for the rest of the week. Just when you get brushing your teeth, just yeah, it's really not all about you. Man, there's a dying world that surrounds us. This is what Paul's burden was. He says, man, pulling down those strongholds, casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Now, a lot of times we get hung up with this idea that that means that I've got to take these bad thoughts and bring them captive and take... Okay, fine, if that works, that's great, but that's not really what the intent of this is. It's looking and gazing upon the Lord and realizing I am captivated by who he is. I'm arrested. That's what that word means, to be arrested, stopped right where you are, because you're so enthralled as you look upon the Lord. That's, he's the object of our worship, and as we worship the Lord day in, day out, moment by moment, as we're worshiping the Lord, it makes all the other lures around us fade because there's nothing that compares to him. When you're gazing upon the Lord, nothing compares to Jesus Christ. Nothing. No beautiful anything compares to the person of Jesus Christ. He is the most beautiful thing to gaze upon. And from our hearts, if we can fix our eyes on who he is and his loveliness, his goodness, his mercy, how gracious he is toward us and his love for you, when you fix your eyes upon that, it makes everything else, that's called being captivated by his presence. Sometimes you'll watch a show or something, you become captivated. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself. And what does it exalt itself against? The knowledge of God. I guess the question is, is in verse 3 it says, but even if our gospel is veiled... It is veiled to those who are perishing. So that means they can't see. It's covered up. They can't see 
Jesus for whom he is. They're unable to see Jesus as, as a savior. They're unable to see God for who he is, the one who loves them. It's veiled. There's a covering and they can't see it. Paul also asks, you know, there's something that happened to him when he, uh, Ananias came and talked to him after the road in Damascus. He got there and they had that radical, Paul had that radical encounter with the Lord. And then when Ananias came and talked to him, something like scales, he said, fell from his eyes. That which was the veil right? Something blinding him from being able to see, all of a sudden it dropped because he met the Lord. Okay, this is, I'm getting, I'm getting there. It takes a couple minutes sometimes, but I'm getting there. The point is, the idea is, what I'm, I'm trying to get you to see, or wanting you to see through the scripture, what the Lord's heart in this intent and communication with you is, is this idea that sometimes we feel like, man, we just share with people. We talk with people, but nothing really happens. What I want you to be is set free from the bondage of you're a bad sales rep, because you're not. Because if you're trying to sell something, you're doing the wrong thing anyway. There's nothing for sale. If, if you can talk somebody into this, that means somebody can talk them out of it. I don't want to talk anybody into the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want them to know Jesus Christ because God has made himself real to them. If you and I can be a vessel in that process, great. But the reality is, is we just want them to make that transaction. Remember that we talked about that not written contract? The one that was etched in our hearts, written on our hearts? That one. That's the deal that we want them to make. That's the, 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 the binding arrangement that's in the realm of the Spirit that we want to see them experience, embrace, walk in. Don't you want them to know the Lord the way you know the Lord? Hopefully that's your heart. That's really the ticket in this. And, and so what is the blockage then? What If there's this veil over them, what hope is there? If there's this veil over their eyes whose mind in ver minds, in verse 4, the God of this age has blinded. So that means it's satanic, right? Who's the God of this age? Satan. So the enemy has blinded people. Do you, the thing, question is, see, this gets spiritual. Do you believe that, or is this just some idea that Pastor Jim thinks about? As a Christian, do you believe that? People's eyes are blinded because of the things of this world, Satan has blinded them from being able to see the Lord for who he is. I think that's pretty straightforward. I don't find that to be inconsistent with anything I've read in the Bible. I think that's quite factual. I think it happened very early on. Satan's a liar from the very beginning. He told them that they would know things if they would eat of the apple. I don't know. That might have been a big fat lie. It certainly seemed to limit a whole lot of things, didn't it? The blindness set in very early on. And we're born into a spiritual blindness, as it were. The deal is, is this now without hope? The, the, the enemies blinded people. Think of the different cultures that we interface with sometimes and, and how they, they just, there's just such a, a hardening you know, ancestor worship, and, you know, it, it doesn't matter whether it's Buddha or Hindu. It doesn't matter what 
it's just this blindness is there, isn't it? And in here, we've just got so much of everything. We're just blinded by all our stuff. Materialism has blinded us. Think, think about this idea of being blinded. Okay, well, how will they see then? Okay, if they were to see, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, that person should shine on them. I believe, and I shared this recently in a midweek study, I believe very clearly in Matthew's writing in chapter 12, verse 29. I'm giving uh, some of you the references. We went uh, freestyle on it on a Wednesday night, and now we're going to be accurate, though, and clear on what we talked about in that. Verse 29 of chapter uh, 12. So, Jesus speaking about a spiritual matter. And he says, regarding spiritual warfare, as it were, and again, I guess the question still has to be answered. Do you believe those who you encounter that do not know Jesus Christ, that they are in bondage to sin? Do you believe that? Do you believe that they are blinded and that, in a sense, I guess you could say they're being held hostage by the enemy. The, the question is, do you, do you believe that? You have to, I can't answer that for you. I fully believe it 100%. But you have to decide that if you believe that. I believe the Bible teaches that very clearly, that they've been taken captive by the enemy. And it happened in the garden. We know that. But there's also liberation available. But there's someone that doesn't want them to know about that. The enemy will do anything to prevent that, that he possibly can within his power. Spiritual warfare, as we're speaking about it in verse 29, Jesus says, How can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man and then he will plunder his house? There's a binding that has to take place. You and I are the byproduct. I fully believe this to be true. You and I are the byproduct of somebody's intercessory prayer. Somebody prayed for you. When you were in darkness, wandering around in all of your sin, thinking you're having a good time, somebody was praying for you. You may not know who, and you may know exactly who, but somebody was praying for you. We are to be intercessors. Hi, this is Pastor Jim. You know, in, in the book of Acts, we learned a great little story. And I think about it sometimes when we wrap up a, a message like we did today and, and how there's just a, a response that kind of stirs in us when we hear God's word. You know, there was a, a guy that was a, a, a Philippian jailer. He was, a, a, you know, just a jail guard, and he realized that the people that he was interacting with uh, were worshiping God and uh, connected with God. And his response when he interacted with these guys, he says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? 
And they said to him, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. You know, God's got a plan and a purpose not only for you, but for your family, for your household, for your friends. But it begins with you giving your life to Jesus and getting right with God. Maybe you've gone to church. Maybe you've gone to church your whole life, but never given your life to Jesus. Maybe you did give your life to Jesus, but you're not walking with him. Either way, maybe this is the first time you've ever heard the gospel message, the good news that God loves you and and has a purpose and plan for your life. Anyway, God loves you, and it's a simple prayer of faith, and it doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. God will forgive you of your sin if you will confess your sin. He will be faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Let's pray that prayer right now. Jesus, I want to ask that you'd forgive me of all my sin, that you'd come into my heart and make my heart your home. I want to receive you as my personal Lord and Savior. Thank you, Lord, for loving me. Thank you for everlasting life. And fill me with your Holy Spirit that my life might please you. I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed and received the Lord into your heart today, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us or another Bible teaching church in your area so you may be encouraged in your new journey. If you'd like more information about Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, simply visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. If you're in the Kansas City area and you'd like to join us for worship, we meet in Overland Park on Sunday mornings. The service times and directions can be found at calvarychapelkc.com. It's been great spending time with you today in God's Word, and we look forward to you joining us next time on Living Fountains.